Due to the extreme nature of this programme, listener discretion is advised. The subject matters may include topics of substance usage, sex, historical events that may be sensitive to some listeners, and foul language. Things discussed may not be considered politically correct in this overly sensitive environment. They may not be appropriate for listeners under the age of 13. As well as some listeners may find things offensive no matter the age, again, listener discretion is advised. Greetings and salutations and welcome to GXO, another episode of Generation Extraordinary, the podcast nobody asked for. Focusing on everything pop culture from the greatest generation ever, Generation X. So if it happened between 1960 and 1999, we're going to discuss it like movies, music, TV, and even a bit of history from that year. Who knows? You may just learn something before it's done. And if you're lucky, this old man may just regale you with a story or two from his own life and experiences. I'm Robert Pop, your host, coming to you from beautiful Podunk, Nebraska. Howdy, folks. This here's him, Billy Willie, and as you know, I'm running for president. People ask me, Willie, what's your view on criminal rehab? Well, I believe the punishment should fit the crime. For most serious crimes, I'm bringing back the chain gang and hard labor. For medium or lesser crimes with local government to work on the failing infrastructure. For the medium or lesser crimes, I plan on working with local government to work on the failing infrastructure like road repair, drainage, and mowing those things. Follow me to find out where I stand on other important issues. I'm Hillbilly Willing. You're damn right I approve this message. All right, welcome to part two of our season one finale. Last week, I talked about Clint Black and Waylon Jennings. Today, I'm going to talk about Mr. Jerry Reed. But before I do that, I want to look back at this last year. And you know what? As a podcaster, the writer, the editor, everything from beginning to end, I got to tell you, folks, I really want to thank you for listening to me, for following me. This is something that I really did not have any idea that I was going to enjoy. It was more of a something to do while my last ex-wife and I were living two separate lives. This was a, this was a, a culmination of being able to feel like I was accomplishing something and that I could actually enjoy doing. And it was all me. It was all on me. And yeah, you know what? We've had some growing pains. And I know that we've had some growing pains. You listen to that first six episodes and you can hear I'm kind of all over the place. I got very clinical with a lot of stuff. Um, I took suggestions. So eventually I'm going to re- I'm going to revisit the, probably those first five or six episodes and give you not so much of the clinical history of them, but how they impacted me. Because asking for, for tips from my kids, from my friends, everybody was giving me suggestions. And yes, even at the time, I even had my, my ex-wife give me a suggestion. I did. I got way too clinical. Basically, I mean, like like my son said, Dad, the way you're doing them right now, they want you to be more conversational. 
Everybody wants you to be more conversational. That's how they relate with you. In all honesty, you're basically giving them a textbook rundown of who this is and what this movie or TV show or or whatever it is that I'm talking about right there. And they could go online and they could read the exact same thing or fairly close. And you know what? He was right. So that's when I kind of put the the spin into it. Um, I knew kind of what I wanted to do, but I wasn't sure. Number one, I wasn't sure that I was even going to enjoy doing this. Number two, um, I had to find a format that worked well with me. I am a student of history. Um, when I was in high school, not one of my greatest subjects, but still fairly decent. And I enjoy I enjoy the documentaries. I enjoy learning about that type of stuff. And I try to pass that on through the first segment of my podcast by telling you, my listener, what it is that we had to deal with during that target year. And I hope you like it. As passive aggressive as what I am, my own opinions tend to drift in there quite a bit. And if I've offended you by that, well, you know, I got to say that that wasn't my intention, but I'm kind of a dick and I'll own that. And I'm opinionated being a German Polak descent. I'm stubborn and I'm opinionated. And that's, (laughs) that's probably the most simplest terms. You want to know who Robert Pop is? Coming to you from Podump, Nebraska. Yes, I'm a man who has been divorced and married and married and divorced and divorced and married too many times. And that's, even though that's a part of my life, that's not what defines me. I'm also a father, father of three. Um, I still consider myself a stepfather of two. One of those two, I built a very solid relationship with that I miss her dearly. Um, the other one, it I just never was real close to him, but I hold no malice, but we just were never really all that close. I am a grandfather of five beautiful children. My oldest grandson, he's almost nine, and he's pretty incredible. Um, I am going to have him on an episode, probably both of the boys, both him and his brother. We're going to talk about, believe it or not, things that have come back from the 80s and the 90s. Pokemon, Ninja, Ninja Turtles, and Power Rangers. These are things that all of the, uh, that his dad was all into, and they were actually back far enough, like with the Turtles and the Power Rangers, they were back as far as when I was a teenager. So I think it's kind of cool how that has all kind of culminated there. My three granddaughters. Um, yeah, I would love to have them as they get a little bit older on the podcast with me. I'm a very, I'm a very proud father. Um, number one, because I look at myself as, as kind of being, well, as a shitty dad. I really kind of feel like I was. Because I wasn't there when they were growing up. I moved out to Colorado with the second Mrs. Pop. And had I been able to 
go back and change anything in my life that that would be the one thing that I would do. I would never move to Colorado. As much as I enjoyed my job out there, that's why I moved. That's why I moved was for a job. And and I shouldn't have because I missed a lot of stuff with them growing up. Now, granted, I moved back here when they were all in their early teens and it shows the relationship that I have with them. However, the opportunity has come up more than once for me to move to the East Coast, get back into a line of work that I absolutely adore and that I have a lot of experience in and my body and my my eyes and everything I don't believe would would let me do it not out in the field anymore but maybe as a manager and and I decided even though the money was crazy insane compared to comparatively to what I'm making that I didn't want to be a shitty ass grandfather I want to be able to when my granddaughters not too long ago they they sent me a message to say hey you want to come to grandparents day fuck yeah I want to come to grandparents day and it was and it was just so great it really was it really was um just being able to just drop by my grandsons and just hang out talk to my son and I got and I got a couple of the greatest little in-laws that that you ever could ever think of. My daughter's soon-to-be husband, great guy. I mean, I just I just adore him. I can tell he is so in love with my daughter. He's a good provider. They recently bought a house, and and she, oh my God, she is the smartest person in our family. That's all there is to it. She is the smartest person in our family. She has gotten her master's degree in psychology, and she's a therapist. Of course, with her father, as fucked up as he is, it's kind of, you know, if you can't beat him, join him type thing. So, you know, she's trying to help people not to be as as uh, uh, as mental as what her dad is. My two sons, they have... They have uh, gone into the trades. One is an electrician. One is a plumber. But their wives, I look at both of them as extensions of of my of my that they're my daughters. They're my daughters, and I love all of them, all six of them, so so very much. That's the other thing that defines who I am, my kids and my grandkids. And of course, I'm a dog daddy. Currently, my producer, Harley Quinn Pop, she is about two and a half years old. And she is such a good girl. She is. She's a black lab. And she just is so special to me. She really is. When I lost my beloved Riley in 2021, I swore, number one, I'd never have another black dog. I would never have another female, and I would never have another lab. Now, I'm going to tell you a little story, and this, of course, is a little difficult sometimes for me to get through. So when I met Riley, it was right on the heels of the divorce from my second wife. 
we had three dogs. We had a German Shepherd, which is definitely hers. He was, oh my God, just derp. Um, yeah, and stubborn. Oh, he was her dog. He was her dog. Then we had a Golden Retriever, and his name was Buddy. Buddy was great. I mean, Buddy was my, he was my shadow. He really was. He, he if I was underneath the car, he would crawl underneath there with me. He would just lay there while I was changing the oil. I mean, he followed me everywhere. Then there was Remo. And yes, I named him after Remo Williams. He was a coon hound. I love me a coon hound. I love their bay. And when I got divorced, I moved back here to Podunk, Nebraska from Colorado. And I told the second wife, I said, hey, so once I get settled, I'll get in touch with you and make arrangements to bring the, bring the dogs with me thinking that I was going to take Buddy and Remo with me. So I get all settled, and I talk to my landlord, and he's cool with it. He's like, yeah, you know, I don't care. you know." And so I called her and said, hey, uh, where do you want to meet? Do you want to meet in this town or this town, which was about halfway? And she retorts, eh, you know, I've been doing a lot of thinking, and it's just not really fair to the dogs to split them up after all this time so i'm not going to let you have any of them oh my god you could almost hear my heart shatter oh i was pissed and you know maybe that's one of the reasons why i still carry a lot of uh animosity towards that woman it's not that i would ever want her back but i really wanted my dogs however that little action put me on a course to actually meet my true soulmate. People laugh at me when I say that a dog was my soulmate. But you know what? She was. So it was Labor Day weekend, 2009. My daughter, her friend, my future, unknown future, daughter-in-law, were with me and we went to our local animal shelter. And I had been looking for... A medium-sized dog, you know, like a Cocker Spaniel, maybe a Springer, something like that. I really wasn't looking for a lab because, you know, I lived in an apartment. I didn't really want a dog that big. And so I went in there to look at this Cocker that I'd been looking at three or four different times. And he was a nice little boy, Um, but he had this cherry eye, which if you don't know, it's like where their tear duct gets plugged up and they end up with this red almost the size of a cherry like a pus pocket type thing it had to be surgically removed so i'm in there and i'm looking at him and the girls are looking around and and my daughter she says hey dad come here and check out this dog i don't know ariel it's a female she's a little big i mean i just i don't know well she was about three years old and they had given her the name Shaniqua. And I know that's racist as fuck, but that's what they called her because she was a black lab. So she also came into the, uh, to the humane society as a stray and was extremely, I mean, see her ribs extremely emaciated. I said, all right, well, we'll take her out. 
And I took her out to the little play area. She ran off and she did her business and she come back over. She jumped up on the bench and she licked my right cheek twice. And then she started to suckle my right earlobe. As we went inside, my daughter even says, Dad, what do you think? I don't know. And it was probably, I don't know, 150 yards from the play area to the inside of the office. And by the time I got in, well, what do you think, Mr. Pop? Yeah, write the paperwork up. I want to take her home. And it was just that quick that it just came over me. And I always say that it was just the grace of God telling me that this was my true soulmate. And we didn't have really any growing pains, her and I. There was two things that she ever did that I would say that she was really naughty about. And she only did it twice. Number one, about four days after I got her, we're driving through this park. She sees a squirrel, bails out the window as we're doing about 10 mile an hour. I mean, boom, just leaps to go chase that squirrel. She never did that ever again after that. And I'm not one to use any type of violence on my dogs. So I scolded her, got her back in the truck, and we went home. Then at Christmas that year, that's that first year, she chewed on a plugged-in electrical cord. So I scolded her. That was the only time. And it was not because I wanted to harm her. It was because it could hurt her. But she was so smart. She just, she just absolutely got it right away. She knew. I didn't have to put a leash on her. She stayed right with me. She knew I loved her. And, and she loved me. You could see that. You can see that if you go on to the, to the in memory of portion of my website. You can see those pictures of her and I together. You can tell that we're two beings who love each other very, very much. How I lost my Riley was during 2020. I was home with COVID with the third soon to be X. And I noticed, and I had been, I had been seeing this coming a little bit at a time that she was developing doggy dementia. And during that two weeks of that lockdown between Christmas and, and the 14th, I saw it so vividly for a year before she passed, she didn't feel comfortable with anything unless I was touching her. She couldn't jump up in the chair with me anymore. She'd lay down beside and I would just, I would have positioned myself to put my hand on her. Otherwise she would whine all the time. But during the, the lockdown and I had to go out and retrieve her from the backyard because she forgot how to get in. I called my vet and I said, you're going to need to talk me in off the ledge on this. I, I, we've talked about this before and, and I really believe that it's time. We made an arrangement and I've got to give my vet a huge shout out. I'm not going to say her name because I don't have her permission, but I love this woman so much because she didn't just treat Riley with dignity and respect in her last moments 
but she also treated me. And I'm going to tell you, as I sat there and I held Riley while she passed away in my arms and in my lap, my vet held my hand and helped try to comfort me as well. And I have. I've said it for years that she was my soulmate. I've been married and divorced, oh, God knows how many times. And and my mantra after the last one is, you know what? Dogs are forever. Spouses come and go. But my dogs, they are, they are forever. And so when I was told that there was a litter of black or of lab puppies about 30 miles away. And it was an oops batch. Um, Cause I won't do business with a puppy mill. I just, I, I despise puppy mills and pet stores. No, no, I'm, I'm a, uh, you go do a rescue, a rescue or a private adoption. That's all there is to it. Just do that. And I went there and I, you know, there was a litter of probably, you know, six, eight puppies. And the other one they said was off limits was the chocolate. And I had been looking at a lot of other dogs, but I kept coming back to a lab. And I kept coming back specifically to a black lab. And I kept coming back to specifically a female because of how loving Riley was. And I wasn't trying to to say, you know what? I want you to be like Riley. I had several people, my wife, my friends, my vet, my therapist. I mean, everybody, Rob, you need a dog. You need a dog. You need something that you can care for that you don't have to worry about whether or not they love you or not. Cause that's one of the things I'm fucked up with because of abandonment issues. But nonetheless, that's a whole different thing. So as I started looking, um, like I said, I was, I was just drawn back to a black lab. So I'm up there in this little town, 30 miles away from Podunk, Nebraska. And I'm holding several of these dogs, you know, they're a month old, a month old. Their eyes just were open a month old, little tiny little fart blossoms of fur. That's all they were. And I held this one on my right-hand side close to my shoulder. And she snuggled into me. And then she clawed her way up my shoulder and licked the bottom of my right cheek. And then she came up and started suckling my right earlobe. Now, I'm very Catholic, and I don't really know how I feel about reincarnation. But a friend of mine who had tried to console me said, if you're that connected to a dog, they'll find their way back to you. And she believed it. She believed it. I will say this. Not sure how I feel. And now two and a half years later, after after adopting my little Harley Quinn, and yes, I named her after the Joker's girlfriend. Because of course, you know, y'all know how crazy I am about comic book stuff. 
there are things that she is uniquely Harley about. But there are things that she do that are Riley. Now, Riley absolutely hated water. I mean, that's weird for a, a lab because they're a water dog. I mean, that you'd take, a, you'd take a lab out to go duck hunting. Riley hated, I mean hated, with a passion, the water. Hated everything about it. Snow, rain, puddles, baths, you name it. She hated it. Harley, on the other hand, she loves the water. She's not so great about a bath, but even today, took her out to our dog park here in Podunk, Nebraska. And of course, we just had, you know, four or five days of rain. And yes, rain in December, so we were happy it wasn't snow. And where does she go? Tromping and splashing right through the mud puddles. That's a uniquely Harley thing. However, there are things that she does that I see Riley in. She will get up on my chair with me in my lazy boy, in my recliner, and she will throw herself back and be in a baby position where her head is on my shoulder and she wants me to cradle her. And Riley used to do that. I think that picture is actually on the website. These are the things that define who I am. So now you've got a little bit, uh, you've had a little glimpse into the dark corners of my mind and the things that make me tick. And be careful that you may, you may get sucked into that vortex. When we come back, I'm going to talk about Mr. Jerry Reed. A lot of information. I'm trying to cut it down to something that's uh, acceptable. And also, I want to tell you about my story with Jerry Reed. So, see you on the other side of the break. After having all weekend to kick back and chill, waking up for work is just killing me. My brain feels like a big meatball. My eyelids are like 10-pound weights and cranky, oh, fuck yeah. Lucky for me, I know the answer to getting my day started. The wholesome goodness of Beerios. Start your day the Beerios way. Beerios, helping you get through day by day because, you know, people. The views and opinions expressed are just that, Rob's views and opinions. He is not always politically correct, and they may not match up with your own opinions. It is not his intentions to offend anyone. Hopefully you find the shows entertaining and informative as well. Please note, Rob is not a professional historian, but he has done a lot of research for this show. With that being said, mistakes happen, but he will do his best to minimise those. Keep in mind, Rob is just some nut with a microphone. All right, welcome back from that break. We're going to talk about my number one recording artist of all time, Mr. Jerry Reed. Jerry Reed Hubbard, his last name was actually Hubbard. Reed was his middle name. He was born March 20th, 1937 and passed away September 1st, 2008. He had signature songs like Guitar Man, U.S. Mail, A Thing Called Love, Alabama Wild Man, Amos Moses, When You're Hot, You're Hot, Coco Joe, Lord Mr. Ford, The Bird, and, of course, the theme from Smoking the Bandit, Eastbound and Down. Eastbound and Down, loaded up and trucking. Are we going to do a 
what they say can be done. We've got a long way to go and a short time to get there. I'm eastbound just like no bandit run. Keep your foot hard on the pedal. Some devil mind them brakes. Let it all hang out cause we got a run to make. The boys are thirsty in Atlanta and there's beer in Texarkana. And we'll bring it back no matter what it takes. Jerry Reed had been inducted into the Musicians Hall of Fame and Music. He was born in Atlanta, was the second child of Robert and Cynthia Hubbard. As a small child running around and strumming his guitar, he quoted saying, I'm going to be a star someday. I'm going to go to Nashville and be a star. Jerry Reed's parents separated four months after his birth. He and his sister spent seven years in foster homes and orphanages growing up. Jerry Reed was then reunited with his mother and stepfather in 1944. At the age of 18, he was signed by publisher and record producer Bill Lowry and cut his first record, quote, If the good Lord's willing and the creek don't rise. Capitol Records. Reed was promoted as a new teen sensation with his own recording of a rockabilly composition, When I Found You, in 1956. He recorded both country and rockabilly singles and found success as a songwriter when label mate Gene Vincent covered his song, Crazy Legs, in 1958. Jerry Reed married Priscilla Prissy Mitchell in 1959. They had two daughters, Sadina Ann Hubbard. She was born April 2nd, 1960, and Charlotte Elaine, but they called her Lottie, and she was born in 1970. After serving two years in the U.S. Army, uh, Jerry moved to Nashville in 1961 and continued his songwriting careers, which continued to gather steam as while he was in the Army, thanks to Brenda Lee's cover song, That's All You Got to Do. Love that song. He also became a popular session and tour guitarist. In 1962, he scored some success with two singles, Good Night Irene, as by Jerry Reed and the Hurley Girlies, featuring a female vocal group, and the Hurley Girly guitar, which found their way to Chet Atkins at RCA Victor, who produced Jerry Reed's 1965 hit, If I Don't Live Up To It. In July of 67, Jerry Reed had his best showing on the country chart, number 53, with his self-penned Guitar Man, which the king, Elvis Presley, soon covered. Well, I quit my job down at the car wash, left my mama a goodbye note. By sundown, I left Kingston with my guitar up under my coat. I hitchhiked all the way down to Memphis, got a room at the YMCA. For the next three weeks, I went a-haunting them nightclubs looking for a place to play. Well, I thought my picking would set them on fire, but nobody wanted to hire a guitar man. Well, I nearly about starved to death down in Memphis. I run out of money and look. So I bummed me a ride down to Macon, Georgia, on an overloaded poacher truck. I bummed on down to Panama City, started checking out some of them all-night bars. Hoping I could make myself a dollar making music on my guitar. Got the same old story, Tim, all-night peers. There ain't no room around here for a guitar man. 
but don't need a guitar man, son. Jerry Reed's next single, Tupelo Mississippi Flash, was a comical tribute to Elvis Presley. Jerry Reed recalled how he was tracked down to play on Elvis's recording session. Quote, I was out at the Cumberland River fishing, and I got a call from Felton Jarvis, then Presley's producer at RCA. He then said, Elvis is down here. We've been trying to cut Guitar Man all day long. He wants it to sound like it sounded on your album. I finally told him, well, if you want it to sound like that, you're going to have to get me in there to play guitar because these guys you're using in the studio are straight pickers. I pick with my fingers and tune that guitar up all kinds of weird ways. End quote. Jarvis hired Jerry Reed to play on the session. Quote, I hit that intro and Elvis's face lit up and here we went. I was topping cotton, son. End quote. Jerry also played guitar for Elvis's Big Boss Man, recorded in the same session. On January 15th and 16th, 1968, Jerry worked on a second Elvis Presley session during which he played guitar on the cover of Chuck Berry's Too Much Monkey Business, Stay Away and Going Home, two songs revolving around Elvis's film Stay Away, Joe, as well as another Reed composition, U.S. Mail. Now, I'm a U.S. Mail because I was born in a South Georgia town on a Sunday morning. Now, Georgia just happens to occupy a place in the southeastern portion of the United States. Now, that's a fact, buddy, and you know it well. So I just call myself the U.S. Mail. M-A-L-E, son, that's me. Now, I said all that to say all this. I've been a-watching the way you've been a-watching my miss. For the past three weeks, you've been hot on the trail, and you kind of upset in the U.S. Mail. Now, you touch her once with your greasy hand. I'm going to stretch your neck like a long rubber band. Cause she's wearing a ring that I bought on sale So that makes her the property of this U.S. mail So you better not mess with the U.S. mail, my friend If the U.S. mail gets mad, it's gonna do you in If you know what's good for yourself, son You're gonna find you somebody else, son Don't tamper with the property of the U.S. mail Reed's quoted recollection of U.S. mail being recorded at the same session as Guitar Man as being incorrect. Elvis also recorded a total of four Jerry Reed compositions, A Thing Called Love. He was the kind of man that would gamble on love, look you in the eye and never back up. But I saw him crying like a little whip-up because of love. Can't see it with your eyes, hold it in your hand But like the wind, it covers our land Strong enough to rule the heart of any man This thing called love It can lift you up, it can let you down Take your world, turn it all around Ever since time, nothing's ever been found Stronger than love Love that song Talk about the good times. Oh, my God, I love that song. Yeah, yeah. Here we come. Well, I remember when I was just children, a time when people 
Releasing the 1970 crossover hit Amos Moses, a hybrid of rock, country, funk, and Cajun, which reached number eight on the U.S. pop chart, then teamed up with his hero, Chet Atkins, for the re- for the duet LP, Me and Jerry. During the 1970 television season, he was a regular on the Glen Campbell Good Time Hour, and in 71, he released his biggest hit and chart topper to that point, When You're Hot, You're Hot. In the court, I couldn't believe my eyes. The judge was a fishing buddy that I recognized. I said, Hey, judge, old buddy, old pal, I'll pay you that hundred dollar year if you get me out of this spot. So he gave my friend a little fine to pay. He turned around and grinned at me and said, Which is a story song, which most of the lyrics are being spoken rather than sung. And, you know, I just want to interject something here. That really kind of became Jerry's signature. He did more. He did more speaking than singing, or it was more speech than there was the song involved in it. A second collaboration with Chet Adkins, Me and Chet, followed in 1972. A year later, he scored his second number one hit, Lord Mr. Ford. Said me a few choice words All about that demon The automobile The metal monster With the polyglass wheels The end result Of the dream of Henry Ford Well now I've got a car That's mine alone But me and the finance company own A ready-made pile of manufactured grief And if I ain't out of gas In the pouring rain I'm a change in a flat In a hurricane I once spent three days lost On a clover leaf Well it ain't just the smoke In the traffic jam That makes me the is a dollar in me to death For gas and oils and fluids and grease And wires and tires and antifreeze And them accessories Well, honey, that's something else Well, you can get stereo tape and a color TV Get a backseat bar and reclining seats And just pay once a month Like you do your rent Well, I figured it up And over a period of time This $4,000 car of mine Cost $14,000.99 Well, now, Lord, Mr. Ford I just wish that you could see what your 
Chet Adkins, who frequently produced Jerry's music, remarked that he had to encourage Jerry to put instrumental numbers on his own albums, as Jerry always considered himself more of a songwriter than a player. Adkins, however, thought Reed was a much better fingerstyle player than he was himself. Jerry Reed was one of only five people, five people, to have a title of certified guitar player, an award bestowed to only those who completely mastered the guitar, and Chet Adkins gave him that title. That's fucking cool. That is so fucking cool. Have your hero, your hero, the guy who inspired you to say, you know what? You are a master. That just blows me away. In 1972, he was featured in the animated form in a episode of the Scooby-Doo movies. He sang and played Pretty Mary Sunlight. Yeah, Pretty Mary Sunlight, she's all right to be. Pretty Mary Sunlight, she's everything I need. Some people sit around and they watch the world go by. They just don't know the fun they're missing People see me happy and they sometimes ask me why I tell them girls were made for kissing But I don't need to look around Cause I'm in heaven since I found my Pretty Mary Sunlight, she's alright with me Pretty Mary Sunlight, she's everything I need Good song. In the mid-1970s, Jerry's recording career took a backseat to his acting aspirations. In 1974, he co-starred with Burt Reynolds, close friend, in the film W.W. and the Dixie Dance Kings, as well as in 1976, Gator. By the way, Gator, great movie. Great movie. He didn't... He didn't play Bert's buddy. He played the villain. And I got to tell you, I still watch Gator and I still get chills every time. Every time. He was raised in the swamp, in the back of a sloop. He grew up eating rattlesnake meat, drinking homemade brew. The folks here about call him Gator. And everybody knows him well Meanest man ever hit the swamp Folks swear he comes straight out of hell <laughs> Well, Gator McCluskey Sitting on a stump Hammer pulled back on a 12-gauge pump Watching that swamp Looking out in front of law While he make the best corn liquor you ever saw Rock good whiskey <laughs> Making that mash, he watches and he looks. Oh, Gator, he knows that swamp like a book. Something out there moving, Gator, what do you see? Ain't nothing but the snakes and the gators and me. Everything's okie dokie and okie panokie. That 
chef ain't snooping around So cook that moonshine down Till it's good and clear Everything doke-a-doke And doke-a-doke That chef hit soon mess around With the devil and to get herself Long messing around in here Jerry appeared in 1978's Highballin' and 1979's Hot Stuff. But of course, we cannot move on without mentioning and talking about all three of the Smokey and the Bandits films, starting in 1977 with that franchise. He played Cletus Snow, the snowman, in all three Smokey and the Bandits. Now, I will tell you, Smoking the Band at 1 and Smoking the Band at 2. Awesome. Well, if I can keep it on the ground when I put that hammer down, then I'll be Texas bound and a fly. I got my team in the wind, let it all hang out again. Cause how you gonna win if you ain't trying? Well, now we're all back together and we're burning up the road. And that old sheriff's out there dogging us again. He thinks he's really got it cooking. Plans to do a lot of booking The only trouble He keeps looking Where we've already been So if I can keep it on the ground When I put that hammer down Then I'll be Texas bound And I'll fly Smokey Demand 3 Yeah, left something to be desired You are not going to miss much If you bypass that one Because it was not great He also made two guest appearances On Alice in 78 and 81 but get this, when Burt Reynolds was asked who he thought one of the best actors that he had ever worked with was, he said Jerry Reed. Reed also took a stab at hosting a TV variety show filming two episodes of the Jerry Reed Show in 1976. He also had a promotional single, Who Put the Line in Gasoline? Oh, who was the man who put the line in gasoline? President or Chairman Oils or was it just a crude joke or is it more obscene? Oh, who was the man who put the line in gasoline? He also starred in a TV movie called Concrete Cowboys, another truck driving movie. 1982, Reed's career as a single artist was revitalized as he had the song, She Got the Gold Mine, I Got the Shaft. It was back in 63 when eating my cooking got the better of me, so I asked this little girl I was going with to be my wife. Well, she said she would, so I said I do, but I'd have said I wouldn't if I'd have just knew how saying I do was going to screw up all of my life. Well, the first few years weren't all that bad. I'll never forget the good times we had, because I'm reminded every month when I send her the child support. Well, it wasn't too long till the lust all died, and I'll admit I wasn't too surprised the day I come home and found my suitcase sitting out on the porch. Well, I tried to get in. She changed the lock. Then I found this note taped on the mailbox that said, Goodbye, Turkey. My attorney will be in touch. So I decided right then and there I was going to do what's right, give her her fair share. But, brother, I didn't know her share was going to be that much. She got the gold mine. I got the share. They split it right down the middle And then they give her the better half Well, it all sounds sort of funny But it hurts too much to laugh She got the gold mine I got the shaft Did you 
know what, quite frankly, as a divorced man, I kind of can really relate with that. Followed by The Bird, which peaked at number two. His last chart hit happened in 1983, which is really kind of sad because he was such a great artist. He did have albums after that, but that was his last chart hit called I'm a Slave. neighbor in a week or so, I guess, till yesterday, and he was all bandaged up and in his podcast. I said, well, from the looks of you, son, uh, the wreck must have been bad. He said, now, this is what happens, Jerry, when your old lady gets mad. He said, it was last Saturday night, and I was in this bar, had a blonde on my knee. Well, I look up, and that's my old lady looking right down on me. Well, she grabbed that blonde, and it was a having a championship bout. I stood up and said, now, honey, wait a minute, and I never should open my mouth. Cause she come right across my head with a bottle Yelling, save that country job And what she done to me was World War III And I'm lucky to be alive I said, well, let that be a lesson, son Maybe this fling will be your last He said, hey, man, you know what I'm gonna do As soon as I get out of this cast I'm a slave, I'm a slave Don't put the pressure on me It'll fix how I behave Short, fat, skinny ones. I like them brunettes. I love them blondes. I can't help it. It's a lot of fun. I'm a slave. slave. I'm a slave. In that same year, he co-starred with Robin Williams and Walter Matthau in The Survivors. He guest starred on Mama's Family as Naomi's ex-husband. He had a role as a Commander Huey pilot for Danny Glover's character in the 1988 movie Bat 21, starring Gene Hackman. He also acted as executive producer and screenwriter on this film. He also starred in 1998's Adam Sandler film The Waterboy as Red Bellew. He teamed up with country superstars Waylon Jennings, Mel Tillis, and Bobby Bear, as I mentioned last week, in the group Old Dogs. They recorded one album titled Old Dogs. Jerry sang lead on Young Man's Job and Elvis Has Left the Building, a latter possibility to the deference to Elvis helping launch his career. He appeared as a guest on the fishing TV show Bill Dance Outdoors (laughs) in one memorable appearance. Uh, as a fisherman, I can relate with this. Jerry caught this particularly huge largemouth bass and planned to have it mounted by a taxidermist. And you know what happened? Bill Dance, he objected to this and freed the fish while Jerry wasn't looking. Oh, my God. He was so enraged when he discovered what happened and chased Dance off the boat and to the shore. Front of the boat. Is a place so dear There's no way to measure its worth Yeah, I love it But it's the one place I covet There's no place above it on earth Where you get the first cast at that wily old bass Where there's great expectation and hope Why, it's so sacred You might get yourself not plumb naked If you try to take the front of the boat Jerry died in Nashville, September 1st, 2008, from complications of emphysema at the age of 71. He was survived by Patricia 
And Patricia died after a short illness in 2014 at the age of 73. Jerry was a heavy smoker and for many years wrote and sang a song acting out his desire to quit smoking cigarettes. And you can see it when you see him in his acting careers that when he quit smoking, he put on a lot of weight, especially for Waterboy. But that song was called Another Puff. I know there's a lot of talk going around today about cigarette smoking whittling your life away. I've seen it and I've heard it so many times that finally it just started to prey on my mind. I guess it scared me a little bit. That's why I decided I was going to quit. So while I was sitting here forming my battle plan, I took another puff and turned on the fan. I just sat down in my easy chair and thought of all the money I'd wasted on cigarettes all these years. I thought how I'd spend the rest of my days after I kicked this habit my body craved. said to myself, this ain't going to be so tough. With that little bit of assurance, I took another puff. <laughs> I took a puff, a puff. Then I ripped off another puff. I decided I about had enough. That breaking this habit won't be too tough. I can relate with that. My experience with Jerry. So my first wife and I, we went to the Nebraska State Fair. And Jerry was putting on a concert in 1992. And it was a free outdoor arena concert. And I hung around to speak with him. And I walked up there and, you know, people were just kind of filing out and he was signing autographs. And I said, uh, I was one of the last people there. And I said, uh, Mr. Reed, I just want to tell you that the first time I saw you in concert was in 1977. I've seen you in concert two other times. This is my fourth concert that you've, that you've put on that I've gone to. I am a huge, huge fan and in that Georgia, Alabama accent, well, son, why don't you come on back and have a drink with me and the wife? We're just about ready to settle in. Heart went crazy, just like a fucking hummingbird, because I was so starstruck, and I met Prissy, and I'm sitting there with her and Jerry, and they poured a glass of bourbon, and we sat there and talked. I mean, not about, oh, you know, Mr. Reed, what'd you do about this or that? I was like, how did you get started? How, how did, how did you ever get to meet your hero? It was so fucking cool. I mean, 20 minutes of just talking to one of the people who was very influential in my life just still to this day and not many people remember jerry especially the younger generation you say you know snowman or eastbound and down and yeah of course then they know who it is but you know what i have gone back and on digital services thank god for that i have gone back all the way to the beginning of his recording career i have listened to him and chet I have listened to his interviews. 
talking about Elvis. And I'm going to tell you what, this man lived history. He, uh, you want to talk about a man crush? I got one on Jerry Reed. He is just, number one, he's an incredible artist. He's an incredible songwriter. He's an incredible actor. And finally, to end on this, my season finale, Jerry Reed is an incredible person. I miss you. I really do. And I would have loved to have more of those moments having a drink with you. But thank you, Mr. Reed. Thank you, Mrs. Reed, for allowing this humble person the opportunity to sit and have a cocktail and talk about anything with one of his heroes. Yesterdays Oh, how many do you wish you could relieve? Turn the page and go back Oh, I wonder what you'd give Looking back Does it seem that when you planned and when you dreamed You forgot the most important thing Smell the flowers while the roses bloom Take the time, my friend, and sing your happy tune Oh, how precious every mile So take a minute, learn to smile My friend, let's stop a while and smell the Got a troubled mind Friend, did you let too much worry rule your days? When you look back Do you feel like something precious slipped away? Well, my friend, are you the man That let the world slip through your hands? Can you remember when you smell the flowers? Smell the flowers Over the last several years, there has been a rise in cases of pink eye. Scientists and researchers have concluded the leading cause for this is texting on the toilet. Ever since the invention of the smartphone and having access to some of the greatest things on the Internet, while dropping the kids off at the pool, so to speak, people spend 87% more time in the bathroom in 2022 than they did in 2002. 
Sure, COVID lockdown got people washing their hands, but what about the phone? You can't very well run it underwater. But now, from anal tech comes the pink eye solution in the form of the eye poop. The eye poop is a pocket sanitizer for electronic devices. Simply turn on the eye poop when you enter the stall, and by the time you are ready to exit, it's ready to use. So after you clean yourself, run the eye poop over the surface, then wash your hands. No more chance for pink eye. Even if you break on through to the other side and take a trip through Mud Valley, the eye poop will clean and sanitize. Look for the eye poop at all cell phone retailers. Hey, it's Rob. Are you looking for a gift for that millennial or Gen Z in your life? You know, video games are always a good option. Most kids in that age group can relate with The Sims. Now the newest version of The Sims is out. The Sims ain't doing shit 2024. The object of the game is to combine a virtual reality with real life scenarios, such as my character, Justin. He's a 23-year-old young man with a part-time job in a retail store and still lives with his parents and expects them to do everything for him. Your points are awarded by how entitled you act, as well as throwing fits when you don't get your way. Bonus points are awarded by getting offended by the dumbest things, jumping on board with whatever seems trendy at the time, and walking off the job with no notice or reason. You can create a variety of characters in the standard basic male and female, to ones who identify as a cat. The sky is the limit on how ridiculous you can be. But beware of the man. This is the villain of our game. The man is the embodiment of the establishment, always trying to make you responsible, like living on your own, paying your own way, and not expecting anyone to live your life for you. There are other players within the game that can work towards your ridiculous way of life, like the media, or those who will side with the man. This game is not only entertaining, but educational for players of all age. Pick up or download a copy of The Sims Ain't Doing Shit today. This now concludes our broadcasting year for Season 1. I want to thank you so much from the bottom of my heart. Those of you who have sent me emails, comments, both positive, negative, and, and ideas for the show, I really want to thank you. I look forward to season two because now that I've got some idea on what it is I'm doing, things are going to be just a little bit different. I, of course, have new fake sponsors that I've been working with. I have worked with some artificial intelligence for some more consistent voices. So you're not just hearing me trying to change my voice like we did in the beginning of season one. And one of my plans for the next season is, is I'm going to do in a month. I'm not going to do the whole, the whole broadcast like I did with uh, organized crime or with the environmental stuff where it took up the entire month. Instead, those types of topics are going to end up being specials, bonus episodes, if you will. I'm going to try to focus on at least one week of the month, do a movie, TV, music, and a historical event. And I'm going to try and rotate each one to where it's in a different decade. 
If you like it, I hope you do. If you like it, let me know. If you don't like it, if you want me to go back to lumping everything together, let me know that too. I'm doing this not just for me, but I'm doing this for you. I appreciate my listeners because you know what my really, my end game is? I'd love to do this for a living. I really would. This is so fun for me. Doing the research, doing the writing, doing the editing, making the fake sponsors. Um, yeah, I just really enjoy it. So thank you from the bottom of my heart. And this concludes our broadcast year for season one. <laughs>